Here we go. Proverbs chapter 2. This is the season each year where we return to the book of Proverbs. Uh, we'll work our way through the entire book, Lord willing. And uh, it's it's not a straight-through study like I tend to do because Proverbs is laid out a little bit differently than that. The first 10 chapters is uh, a lot of Scripture just um, inviting you to take in wisdom and enjoy wisdom and explaining why it's important. And there's some practical uh, wise advice in those chapters, but it really starts just after that. And the whole rest of the book is just uh, short, wise advice, short, wise sayings. And I think it's appropriate that we study Proverbs this time of year because this is the season of New Year's resolutions. And uh, I wonder if you make New Year's resolutions. I wonder if any of you have already given up on your New Year's resolutions that you made this year. I wonder if any of you are trying to eat more healthy food or get more exercise or um, budget, spend your money better. I remember this time last year, you may remember I had this stupid looking bracelet on and it was meant to like buzz every 15 minutes and make me walk around and basically make me exercise. And uh, I wore it for a couple of months and then I now I have it on Craigslist for sale if anybody wants it because it just, it became such a nuisance. And uh, it, it got me just thinking about myself all the time. Like, am I exercising? Have I exercised enough today? Totally unhealthy. But our culture tries to wise up this time of year, every year. We just came through Christmas and New Year's when we gorged on the worst possible kinds of foods. We're all feeling lousy about our, our shape. Um, Meredith said something about uh, me needing to get in shape the other day. And I said, well, I am in A shape. And she said, well, it's not the right shape. So we feel, we feel like we need to wise up and be better stewards of our bodies and our time and our resources. We want to get organized and fit and healthy. And, and those are good endeavors. Um, but I want to get into Proverbs this time of year because we can forget that the Bible addresses these practical matters of life. The Bible addresses these things only better than any other resource you will find because it gets beneath them. It gets down to the, the foundation of wisdom, which is God himself. So we will study Proverbs for uh, the next two months, basically, January and February. Might take a break or two during that time. But before we get into Proverbs chapter 2, we need to to fasten into place one big piece of the wisdom puzzle, because this will be the theme for all of our study of Proverbs. Okay, we need to get one piece fastened into place. The most important factor in wise living, the most important factor in wise living is not how you view food or how you view your body or how you view your money or whatever it may be. The most important factor in wise living is God himself. The most important factor in wise living is God himself. So while the world offers you all these if-then equations, like if you will eat less sugar and more vegetables, you will get healthier. If you will um, exercise 30 minutes a day, four days a week, then you will become more fit. If you will budget your money, then you will be able to save. While the world offers all these equations, the Bible offers you this one big if-then equation. And that's going to be sort of the main idea of today's sermon and today's passage. 
if you will receive God's words, if you will receive God's words, then you will fear and understand God properly, which will lead to wise living. Now, that was a bit of a complicated thought, so I'm going to say, say it one more time, and we're going to flesh it out through the sermon. The Bible's big wisdom proposition is, if you will receive God's words, then you will fear and understand God properly, which will then lead to wise living. And this is the best place for you to be right now, starting a new year. Because you won't hear this anywhere else, but in God's word and, and in a faithful church. You will not hear that you, if you want to become wise and a better steward of your money or your stuff or your children or your body, that you need to start with God. This is the only place you'll hear it. And it's absolutely vitally true. So I'd like for us to pray together and we'll begin to read and study this passage. Would you bow with me? Father, we sit here before your word, needy people. We have so many distracting thoughts in our minds when we come to your word. And we have so much hardness in our hearts because of our own sin and our own foolishness. And uh, we need you through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, to forgive us of these sins, to cleanse these things out of our way to steady our hearts and clear our minds and give us ears that will truly hear your voice, eyes that will truly see your glory in the text. I need your help to proclaim it clearly and boldly. We all need your help to be able to really receive it. So we look to you now and we ask for your help. And I pray that we would walk out of here fearing you, understanding you better and thereby able to live more wisely. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me. So rather than reading the whole passage because it's kind of lengthy, we'll just go bit by bit. And we'll start with the ifs. I told you that the Bible gives you this one big if-then equation in regard to wisdom. It's sort of broken up a little bit more complicated than that in this passage. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 15 it begins with three ifs, but they're all saying the same if. If you will do this, then you will enjoy this benefit. So we'll start with the ifs in verses one and two. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. So here's the first if. If you will receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you. Receive them, treasure them up. This is the most passive of the three ifs we're going to encounter. That's what you're doing right now. It's assuming that you're being given God's words and it's up to you whether or not you're going to receive them and treasure them or reject them and ignore them. Okay, so think of it like a Christmas gift. Okay, if, if instead of me giving you God's word right now, if I gave out a really beautiful, expensive piece of jewelry to all the women and keys to a, a brand new, massive lawnmower to all the men, 
uh, and maybe like a beautiful painting to hang up in your homes, and I gave you these gifts, okay? I am giving them to you. It's up to you what you do with them, okay? If they're really that valuable, you'll receive them. You'll, you'll grab hold of them. You'll take them. You'll look at them. You'll put them in your pocket. Maybe you'll keep your hand in your pocket so you can kind of clutch on to them. And when you leave, you'll take them with you, and you'll take them with you out of the church building and into your vehicle and onto your home and into your life. You'll wear that jewelry. You'll, you'll use that lawnmower. You'll uh, hang that painting. Okay, that's how you receive something. You treasure it by taking care of it. Okay, so when you're done with that jewelry, you put it in a jewelry box where you'll remember where it is and where it'll stay safe. Okay, when you're done with that mower, you'll take the key out and take it inside so that somebody doesn't come up in the middle of the night and crank it up and drive it off. Okay, you receive it by getting it, you treasure it by keeping it. Now, tragically, many of us do not receive or treasure God's word when it is given to us. And I'm in that same boat. Okay, think about how many sermons you have sat through and you were given God's words and God's commandments. But ultimately, you didn't really receive them. You got them and you sort of, figuratively speaking, set them beside you on the pew and then after the closing song, you got up and left. And then when uh, our cleaning people come, they see God's word and commandments just left in the pews or sitting on the floor in the lobby. Or maybe you did get them out of the church and into your car, and they were still in your mind and in your heart, but you sort of left them there, and they never affected you again. And if someone asked you over lunch, what you hear from God's word today in church? You'd have to really scratch your head and say, ah. I don't even remember. I know Matt got up there and said something for a long time, but I don't remember what it was. It happens all the time, and it happens in our quiet times as well. The first step of wisdom is so simple. It's just receiving and keeping, holding, treasuring God's words as they're given to you. Now, you might be saying, well, I would receive it and treasure it if you delivered it a little bit better. Throw in a poem or something. Throw in a funny story every once in a while. And that may be true. I mean, I'm certain I have growth to do in preaching. All right, so get off my back, everybody. (laughs) But I want to remind you that you have some responsibility here too. This isn't a a one-way transaction. It's a a two-way transaction here. I remember when I worked with the youth a long time ago, uh, during Sunday school, I handed out a sheet of paper that said how to listen to a sermon. And there were just questions on there. Simple questions. What's he talking about? What passage is he talking about? Um, where, what verses is he pointing out? What are the main points? You know, just simple things. And I remember an adult saw it sitting in the pew and, and they showed it to me later and said, you really ought to hand these out to all of us. Because we, we come so passively to the sermon. We come so passively to the Bible. Look what it says in verse 2. This is how you receive God's words and treasure up his commandments within you. By making your ear attentive to wisdom, make your ear attentive, and inclining your heart to understanding. Inclining the deepest part of you to understanding. So you need to ask yourself, do you approach God's word with a posture, uh, an inclined Posture or a reclined posture? Many people come with a reclined posture and their faces say, this better be good. 
if it's dazzling enough, maybe I'll retain some of it, maybe I won't. But it's up to you to entertain. It's up to you to be witty, engaging. And if you're not, tough luck. Now, I know none of you say that out loud. At least I've never heard it. But this epidemic problem in in our churches, and the reason I know that is because if you read a lot of the books encouraging preachers on how to preach, it seems to me by looking at the Christian bookstore and on Amazon that the majority of them are about technique and the minority of them are about faithfulness to the word. So if, if I just operated by all these books, I might not even open my Bible, but I could do a song and dance up here and I could keep you engaged. Because most people come to God's word reclined rather than inclined. But it's God's word. It's a gift. It's a treasure. So I'll do my best to give it to you. And, and the people who write your devotional books that, that maybe you use, they do their best to give it to you. But ultimately, it's your call if you're going to receive it or not. It's your call if you're going to treasure it or not. And I would bet even the, the worst Sunday school lesson or house-to-house discussion, even the, the flimsiest of them that involves God's word, could be very, very valuable if you incline your heart and make your ear attentive to receive it and treasure it. So there's the first if statement, if you will receive and treasure God's words and commandments. The second one is in verse 3. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Here's the other if. If you will call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. This is the language of prayer. If you'll just ask for for insight, if you'll ask for understanding. In the book of James, there's this precious promise that if any of you is lacking wisdom, ask God for it and he'll give it to you. So think of it this way. If I were to tell you that there's an old man that lives up in the woods somewhere and here's his phone number and he is the wisest man who has ever lived and you can ask him whatever you want, whatever your situation is, whatever decision you're facing, whatever situation you need wisdom insight for, he will be able to give you divine advice. I guarantee you, you would call him. Some of you are thinking right now, I wish I could call someone like that because I've got this tricky circumstance I'm working through and I don't know what to do. Well, see, the Bible teaches that we have, through Jesus Christ, direct access to our Heavenly Father. Direct access to God. And if we will call out to him and we will ask him, he will give us wisdom and insight. So if we will receive his word and treasure it, and if we will go to him in prayer and call out to him and ask. Those are the two first ifs. And there's one more. Verse four. If you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. You notice each one gets a little bit more intense. First, you're just receiving like a gift and hanging on to it. Second, you're you're starting to initiate yourself a little bit. You're starting to pray and ask specifically. And now you're Indiana Jones hacking through your life, looking for God's words, God's wisdom, God's insight, like treasure, like silver. Now, this is the opposite of a passive approach. 
so many, even the most aggressive people outside of the church become extremely passive inside of the church. And I don't know why that is. I've known some men who are extremely aggressive, type A go-getters outside of the church. But then inside the church, when it comes to God's word and finding God's wisdom and God's ways, just totally passive. They'll take it if it gets in, but mainly they're just going to go on with their lives. Many people treat God's word the way I've always treated football. I am so passive about learning the details of football. And we've been watching this year. Before we knew how good the Panthers are going to be doing, we decided we're going to watch this year. That way I can maybe communicate with people out there in the real world. And Meredith will ask me questions about it, and I never know the answers. I don't know anything about it. I don't understand how it works. I don't really understand the downs. I don't, I don't get it. And I don't get it because I don't care. I do enjoy watching it, but I don't need to know. It does not affect my life. I grew up in a household where my dad and my brother watched football. When it was on, they watched it. I was sitting in there with them. I didn't retain anything, okay, because I don't care. I could tell you all about tennis because I care about tennis. I enjoy that a lot more. And some of you men are like, what a doofus. How, how can anybody, a man no less, not care to retain the details of football? And yet some of you same men probably couldn't find certain books of the Bible if I drilled you right now. Because you're passive regarding this the same way I always have been about football. Because if you're honest with yourself, you don't care. It doesn't affect my life. I got to go to work in the morning. I got kids to raise. It's just not, it's not pertinent. If we will get aggressive about seeking God's wisdom and his word, We will find it. So there's the if. If you if you want to think of this as a as a resolution, as a New Year's resolution, you can say it as I will receive God's words and I will treasure up his commandments with me. And I will make my ear attentive to his wisdom, and I will incline my heart to understanding. And I will call out for insight, and I will raise my voice for understanding, and I will seek it like silver, and I will search for it as for hidden treasures. I will not sit back passive any longer about the most important aspect of life, God himself. So there's the if. If you will do that, and there's this big glorious then. If you will do this, then you will enjoy the benefits of verse 5. So let's look at verse 5. There's actually two thens in the passage. But this first one is the big one, and the second one is sort of a sub, it's sort of an outgrowth of this first one. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If you will do verses 1 through 4, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, this is where many turn away. This is where many stop receiving God's word, stop treasuring God's commandments, stop calling out for insight, stop raising their voice for understanding. 
Stop seeking it like silver. Stop searching for it like treasure. Because as they do these things, it's just, it's always about God. As you're searching through the Bible, it's just, it's about God. Around every corner, God. Answer to every prayer, God. Conclusion of every sermon, God. And that's not what most of us are looking for. Most of us would be very happy if God would just float down a care package of blessings, like with a little parachute, you can picture like a box floating down, and it would land in our backyard, and we'd open it up, and we'd have uh, marital peace, and we'd have job satisfaction, and washboard abs, and we never had to actually interact with God. We'd be content. That's why when I asked the youth a long time ago to describe what they thought heaven was going to be like, the one big glaring omission was God himself. It sounded like a great place, but God wasn't invited. This is where wisdom begins, right here. Remember that first foundational puzzle piece that needs to slip into place? The most important factor in wise living is God. How you view him, how you relate to him, how you know him. This might be the most important point in the sermon. God is the main character. Okay, think about the Bible. Who's the main character of the Bible? God. Think about creation itself. Who's the main character of creation? God. Who's the main character of human history? God. And who's the main character of your life? God. And as long as you try to write your life as though you are the main character, you will forever be confused and frustrated and confounded because you're not meant to be the main character. God is the main character of all reality, including your life. Now, this takes a huge shift in thinking because we do not think that way. But if we can get that in place, then we're in a position to begin living wisely. And until we get that into place, we are in no position to live wisely. Because we're completely confused. I have three scriptures to share with you along this line. They're not projected, so you can just listen to them. In Acts 17.28, it says, In God, in him, we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. As water is to a fish, so God is to you and me. In him we live and move and have our being. Just feel how comprehensive that is. Romans eleven thirty six, For from him and through him and to him are all things. From him and through him and to him are all things. And that's why Proverbs 1 7 is true. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because from him and through him and to him are all things. And in him we live and move and have our being. In him we retire and prepare dinner. And sit in front of the TV at night. 
For from him and through him and to him are our plans. For from him and through him and to him are our pains. For from him and through him and to him are our fears. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom about engagement in marriage. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom about your education. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom about your medical decisions and insurance decisions. It all starts with God because God is the main character. And as verses 6 through 8 say, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. If you will receive his words, treasure them up. If you will call out and raise your voice for understanding. If you will seek God's wisdom like silver and treasure, then the first and main benefit you will receive is you will fear, which means to revere, properly respect, and be in awe of, and understand God. And only then do you get to the second then in verse 9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. Then you will understand righteous and righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. Many of us want to skip the first then and just get to the second then. Like, we wish we could be healthy, but we don't want to eat vegetables and we just want to eat cupcakes. And so we buy new diet books. How can there even be new diet books? They all say the same thing. Stop eating stuff that's bad for you. Start eating stuff that's good for you. And there'll be like 30 chapters. And they'll each say that from some different angle, some different way. We know that if you got to eat healthy, but we don't like it. So we don't do it. And we look for a way around it. Or we know that if we want to get fit, We're going to have to exercise, but we don't like that. So we look for a way around it. We'll go get calf implants or something. We know if we want to save our money and spend our money better, we're going to have to make a budget, but that's a pain and I don't really know how to do it. I wish there was some way around this. And as Christians, often we just want the benefits of walking closely with God and receiving wisdom from him without the if, without actually being close to him, actually hearing from him, actually receiving his word. And you can't have it. Because ultimately, God doesn't just want you to live wisely. He wants you. He wants you to be close with him. He's a father, remember? He's not a distant vending machine in the sky. He's a father, and he loves you. So he's never going to just give you, like, wisdom tablets that you take in the morning impersonally, and and all of a sudden you're wise. The wisdom's going to come from being close to him. Relying on him. Then you'll understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. Proverbs often talks about life like a path, like a journey with many different options of pathways you can go down. Kind of like those old choose your own adventure books. You guys remember those at the end of the chapter, it would say, if you're going to jump the dry riverbed, go to page 97. If if you're going to wait for help, go to page 100. Nobody's read those? Some of you have, okay. 
Proverbs talks about life kind of like that. There's, it's about paths. It's about making decisions that take you down different paths. If we will receive God's words and grow in our fear and understanding of him, then we will understand every good path. When we get to these junctures where there's a fork and there's three different ways we could go, we'll know which way to go. You can think about living your life like navigating these paths in this, in this wilderness. And when you think about it in those terms, ask yourself, what am I using for navigation in my life? Am I using magazines that I buy at the checkout line? Am I using the collective wisdom of the women on The View? Am I using the wisdom of celebrities and what they do? Am I living my life trying to be like characters in movies that I've seen? Am I going by the advice of my mom and dad or my peers or my friends? Or am I navigating according to God's wisdom? The only one who sees the whole force. The only one who knows where every path leads. So let's say... You're working somewhere and you've worked there for many years now and things have changed, management has changed and it's just not as enjoyable and it's more stressful and you're feeling this tension. Should I stay here and continue working here or should I go somewhere else? Should I look for a different job and, and jeopardize the financial security that I have here? Well, you start to receive God's words. Okay, in your daily quiet times at church on Sundays, podcasts you're listening to, you start to really start listening and receiving. Is there anything in this that could give me, shine any light on this decision? And as you do, something's happening in your heart where you begin to fear the Lord more than the other fears that are at play in this decision. And you begin to realize God is the main factor here, not potential financial insecurity. God is the main factor here, not people that I may offend if I tell the truth about how I'm feeling about my job. And your understanding of God begins to grow. And eventually, through that process, you come to a decision, a decision you feel good about because it's not rooted in anything you read in a magazine. It's not just rooted in advice that you got from your mom and dad. It's rooted in God's word and God's wisdom. And you make the decision and you move forward down that path. Let's say you're wrestling with if you should speak up or remain silent or what you should say in an uncomfortable conversation, whatever it might be. And in that conversation, you you call out and you raise your voice in prayer figuratively. You do it silently in conversation. Say, God, should I say something? Should I stay quiet? I just don't know. And as you pray, The Holy Spirit, as he promised he would, bring scripture to mind that sheds light on it. Uh, Scripture like, um, I'm going to butcher this, this isn't a quote, but uh, don't rebuke 
a scoffer because it will only hurt you. And you think, well, this person is a scoffer. They do uh, laugh at serious things, and they do mock God. I'm not going to correct them because that's just going to lead to trouble. And so you make that decision based on God's wisdom, and you live wisely. You walk a wise path in that conversation. Maybe you have gotten yourself somehow entangled in uh, some relationship dynamic within your family or circle of friends or spouse that's just gotten really complicated and people's feelings are getting hurt and people are starting to misunderstand each other and it's just getting messy and you're trying to figure out how to proceed through this. These are people you have to see often. And so in your morning, you get your coffee and your Bible and you you just start to search scripture. You Google, what does the Bible say about this kind of situation? And you search scripture, you write down what scriptures you see, and you start to synthesize this in your mind. Okay, God says this about loving people and being gracious, but he also says this about speaking the truth and being bold. And he says this about forgiving people, but he says this about being wise about who you entrust your heart to. And all this starts to mix up in this stew in your mind and in your heart and as you pray through you start to get settled about how you ought to behave in these relationships so you proceed wisely through them if you will live this way if you will take that time to receive God's word and to call out to him and seek God's wisdom something really magical will happen you will actually become wise. You won't be a fool trying to act wise. You will become wise. That's what it says in verses 10 and on. In verse 9, it says, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. But then verse 10, it explains what that will look like. For wisdom will come into your heart. Wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, who walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. If we will live this way, then wisdom will come into our hearts. Knowledge will be pleasant to our souls. In your depths, who you are will become wise. In each new year, you won't have to make a fresh batch of resolutions to try to mend all the foolishness that led you into that new year. You will be changing for real. As as an entity, you will be becoming wise. You'll develop a deep taste for knowledge. You will be protected from folly and evil. So, in light of all this, I'd like to close just by asking three questions to help you to examine yourselves in light of the scripture. And then we'll pray. And I invite you to come back the following Sundays, because after this, we're going to get into specifics, specific things that Proverbs teaches that are wise. Um, I think right now it's going to cover things like debt and relationships and work, things like that. But for now, as we close, consider these questions. Do you receive God's words and treasure up his commandments with you?
Do you make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding? Do you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding? Do you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures? Now, if as you are letting those scriptural questions evaluate your heart, if you're starting to feel as though, I don't, I never have, and if you're starting to feel condemned at all or guilty, I just want to remind you of the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ because we've all fallen short of this. We've all fallen short of this. And that's why we're Christians and not just great people. We're Christians because we trust in Jesus Christ's death on the cross to cleanse and wash away and forgive all of our sins and all of our folly. We trust in Jesus for a restored relationship with God, not our own perfection in Bible study. And for us, this is not a condemning thing. This is an exciting thing because in Christ, we have new hearts. And this is something now that we're capable of growing in. So don't try to earn God's approval by making these resolutions according to verses 1 through 4. You have it already in Jesus Christ. Instead, enjoy, enjoy your new nature as a Christian by, by stretching forward, leaning into these things, becoming wise like this. If you will, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and that in him, we don't have to be afraid that our failures here are going to turn you against us and damn us. We don't have to be afraid that the accumulated consequences of our failures here are going to overwhelm us because in your son, Jesus Christ, we are forgiven and cleansed and drawn up out of these things to your right side. Thank you so much for that. And now, as your sons and daughters, I pray that you would help us live like this. Please help us live like this. Help us to receive your words, to treasure them up with us. Help us to call out for insight and raise our voice for understanding. Help us to seek for it as silver, search for it as for treasure. In that process, Lord, may we grow to fear you and understand you. And thereby, may we be able to live wisely and understand every good path. In Jesus' name, amen.